talk about divorce. So um, I don't think we had anybody really raising their hands with enthusiasm wanting to talk about this this morning. But we are going to talk about divorce and remarriage a little bit. And I'm trying to try to give some thoughts about that. And you may find yourself a little frustrated with me this morning. I recognize that, and that's okay. Uh, I'm going to try to give you some generally... Two things, some kind of boundaries, some thought about what are the issues that we talk about, relevant scriptural issues to divorce and remarriage, and I'm going to sort of present that fairly wide along a continuum, just praying about how much of that I'm going to reveal really as sort of the position, how I understand it, and it's going to be pretty broad in, in that. So, because this is a difficult topic, I'm pretty comfortable where I am, and you'll, I think you'll find if you talk to me or Michael or Pastor Marty, we're all pretty close on where we are on these issues. Uh, but if you look at theologians across, you know, it's pretty broad spectrum from where folks are looking at this, and we all looking at the same scripture. So, I'll give you an idea, we can talk about that a little bit this morning, then I just want to give some encouragement about how do we handle it. What do we do if we're divorced? What do we do if we're thinking about divorce, if we're going through it, if we're on the other side of it, if we're in a remarriage? How do we handle that? How does it impact our walk and, and our service within the church? So, it's so easy. Sometimes we hear that. You could go to the internet, do a Google search, create an account, three easy steps. Create an account online, answer the questions, print the documents out, turn them in. Boom. Good Morning America did a thing about it. Here's, here's another one, $149 cut rate price. And, and then you're out the door. It's so easy to get divorced. Point, click, split. That's it. Good Morning America did this little thing about how it's so easy to go on there and get uh, a divorce now. Go online, find the right documents, answer a few questions, pay a little bit of money, and get out of there. Save you fifteen or $20,000 average cost of divorce. And 30 minutes, you can turn your paperwork in as long as everybody agrees on what's happening. Point, click, and split. Of course, we all know that's not the reality of what it's really like. Divorce is hard. It's never pretty. It's painful. It's stressful. It's confusing. It's complicated. It's draining. If you got kids, it's even more complicated. It affects generations. It's not just you and your spouse. 
pack up your clothes. You move out of your house. Change jobs, perhaps. You've got kids. There's weekend visits. Changing schedules, holidays, vacations, birthdays. All that changes. Your whole life changes. It's not simple. It's not point and click. So let's just take a quick look at this. Am I playing that chorus song? Uh, be back up there. is calling out for life and love if I belong to you what will I choose we are your hands and feet we are free to change the Twenty-seven thousand two hundred and sixty-one divorces in uh, 2016. And we had our fair share of that here in Virginia, Fairfax County, and in Burke. We just was were kind of on the upper edge of the per capita for divorces. You know that video ends abruptly. Stopped it there on purpose. It does continue on. The family reunites, shows a different picture. The boy's in the closet, hiding from his dad. All the clothes are still there. They're playing hide-and-seek. He's spending time with his daughter in the room, and they're a happy family, and he's hugging his wife, and they're kissing goodbye at the car. And it's a happy scene, this twist. It's a promotion for, it's a video for one of the marriage advocates out there in the Christian world. But you know, all of our marriages don't end that way. Some of it ends just like that video ended. And I kind of want to leave us with that thought because that's reality for a lot of folks. For a lot of us, perhaps even in this room and in America today. So that's what we want, but we don't always have it. That's what we pray for. That's what we desire. Sometimes 
if you don't have it with all your heart and you want to get it back, like you've lost it. And then some of you will do that, but others won't. So we have to live with that reality. You know, as a pastor, I meet with a lot of couples. I meet with a lot of men when they're going through this. I hear things like, you know, I have accomplished so much in my life. My profession, my job, in the military, in school, but I can't handle this. My emotions are going crazy. I don't understand what's going on. I don't understand them. I've never been so confused. It's painful. I feel numb. Like I can't feel it anymore. But the words that were on that chart about how we could change the world, I agree with those. And Because uh, as Christians, Christ has set us free, and he's given us new life, and he's given us abundant life. And so there is hope for us. I don't know how folks without Christ do it sometimes in the world. But he came to change the world, and he came to change us. So we could give him praise. We can rely on the Holy Spirit. We can live our lives, and we can continue to press on through divorce and through the situations that we find ourselves in. Because it's not just divorce. It's any kind of sin tears us down. So we're going to look at that uh, about some divorce because everybody usually wants to know what's going on with statistics. What does it look like? This is a... This is a per capita view, so per 1,000 people, the divorces since the last 144 years, since the mid-1800s. And you see, around the time of 1960 or so, when no-fault divorce came into play, and it was easy to go down there and say, look, it just didn't work out, divorces started skyrocketing. That's when high divorce rates went up all through the 60s and 70s. We get to the 80s. And it did start slowing down a little bit, and then it tapered off, and then actually it's been falling, and you don't really hear that a lot. And in the last few years, you can barely see it on that dip because it stops in 2010. It's gone up a little bit, and, you know, it's stabilized. There's been less divorces. Part of the problem, though, that we still experience is there's also been less marriages. Folks are getting married later in life, so it's affecting how you hear about the divorce statistics. So it's a reality out there, and it's hard. But And a lot of people are still going through it. But you should be blessed and be encouraged to know that it's slowing down. And it's not as much. That folks have taken a harder look at how we got these statistics, and they recognize really it's probably more around a 30 to 40% chance of folks that are actually getting married today that are going to face divorce in the future. It's less for us within the church. It's less when you have the Lord involved in your life. And there's a lot of other factors that deal with that. And there's all kinds of great information out there about that. We're not going to have time to cover that. But I just want you to know that as a message. It's not as bad as, it's not 50%. It's not increasing as sometimes you hear still. So it's good. Let's talk about divorce now. What's biblical and how do we handle it? How do we look at it through Scripture? Is there such a thing as biblical divorce? There are lots of different opinions out there, and it depends on who you read, and you'll get the answer. There are some that say there's no biblical divorce, period. God designed marriage as permanent. We read about that in Genesis. It's a covenant relationship. 
two flesh become one, and it's never broken. That's one view, and they have a lot. There's a lot of theological and scriptural arguments for that view. There's people on the other side that say, you know, Jesus and Moses, they permitted divorce in the case of adultery, and and an unbelieving spouse can leave, and they're allowed to go, and it says you're not bound anymore. And there's a lot of theology that you can look into that and say, okay, and then you can apply that into life. The Bible doesn't talk about every circumstance in our lives. It tells us to honor or obey our father and mother, but it doesn't give us a whole list of what exactly that means. And it might mean something a little bit different when you're 10 years old versus when you're 20 years old. And it might look a little bit different if you're taking money from them or not or what they're asking you. So, you know, it doesn't exactly tell us how to live that out every time. So there's room in to, to gain some general scriptural principles when we think about divorce and apply it. And there's some theologians that would look at that and say there is a pretty broad scope of things that can be covered here. You know, basically, if you're not getting along and it's hurting your spiritual walk, it's better for you to not be damaged internally and spiritually than it is to be married. So it's better to get a divorce. And some theologians will make that argument and they're much farther on the right hand side. So I think you find here most of the. And, 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 you know, the folks on this continuum, most of the pastors here, they studied at Dallas Theological Seminary. They're known as a pretty conservative place. But, you know, the folks that write about this, a lot of them also study at Dallas. And a lot of them are all over that continuum. So what I want to suggest is uh, as we talk about these ideas, you go back and you look at the scripture. You study. You do your Research, you read books, and apply it into your life and see how that scripture applies to you. Uh, I think you'll find most of the pastors here on staff were more in the middle of this continuum as I described it. But what are some of the issues? Death of a spouse, married until death do you part. Scripture addresses that. It says, you know, when you're dead. The law no longer applies to you. So a believing spouse is free to remarry a believer in that case. And that would be, it's not a divorce, but it's relevant to the idea of thinking about divorce. Sexual immorality, Jesus talks about that in Matthew in a couple of places. And uh, that's where you find the clause, the exception for adultery. Uh, that's where you find the exception for pornea, which is larger than adultery. So you can see it can get confusing. Is Jesus really talking about only if you actually committed, uh, cheated on your wife, or if they actually cheated on you? Or is he talking about something a little more broad than that? Is he talking about your thought life? Is he talking about, uh, you know, going to the strip joints or things like that? Or is it really only if you commit adultery that he was talking about when he used that word? But theologians can debate that, and they come out on different different sides of that argument desertion by an unbeliever says you know if you're married to a believer believer the believing spouse is not supposed to leave but if they leave you first corinthians says it's permitted and you're not bound anymore and there's a lot of debate what does it mean you're not bound anymore you can't control if they divorce you but are you free to go somewhere else there's debate about that and so you can see it can get to be sticky and because of that 
you have this idea of breaking of the covenant or not upholding your marital vows. What happens if you know, these things, sexual immorality and desertion, they seem to be cutting into the core of what the covenant is in marriage. Breaking the covenant, therefore freeing the person to be divorced biblically, have a scriptural grounds for divorce. So we look at those arguments and we try to apply that to other situations that aren't covered specifically in scripture, like abuse, alcohol abuse, physical abuse, verbal abuse. Okay, so when does all that account to breaking the covenant? It's really hard to find that line and where it is. You may have an idea, you know, if, if the wife is coming home every night and all she's doing is getting beat up by her husband, it might be a little easier to say, you know, that's not a marriage and he's breaking the covenant with you. But if he just acts out one night, he's having a bad day and he just pushes her and she falls on the bed, is it also abuse and breaking the covenant? Part of marriage is having, uh, is enjoying our sexual relationship. That's part of covenant oneness. What if your wife never sleeps with you? Is that breaking the covenant? There's a lot of debate that can take place in that, those areas that aren't very extremely clear and, and spelled out in Scripture. Conversion is also applicable here. If you weren't a Christian, 2 Corinthians says, you've been created, all things have become new in Christ. So there's a scriptural argument. Well, you know, you're a non-Christian, you get divorced, but then uh, you become a Christian, well, you're a new person, and now all of a sudden maybe even if you weren't open to divorce, by the way we understand scripture, uh, well, maybe because you're a new Christian, uh, you're all things are new, you're a new creation, so you're open and available to being married again. So it's applicable to this question of is there a biblical divorce? And in that case, some would argue, yes, that's the Bible says you're a new creation, you're a new creature, so you're free to be remarried. Those are tough issues. And they're also related but slightly different. To I want to cover that a little more quickly than what we just did. You'll find the same continuum. You'll probably find on remarriage a little bit softer on the left where it is permitted in certain various circumstances, like death is the one I'm thinking of there. So some theologians will say you can never get remarried if you get divorced. Even if they allow it, it's a biblical divorce. They might say that your covenant relationship is with your, your wife, so you can never get remarried. But if your wife dies, it's pretty clear she's no longer under the law. You're no longer under the law in that context of that relationship. Therefore, you're free to get remarried. Others would have a much... You know, but then they would have a much stricter view on your availability to be remarried, even if you had a biblical divorce the way we understand the previous slide. And then others would say, hey, there's a lot more freedom to get remarried if you're single because God wants you to be happy. And there's some that are more towards the middle that say, if you had a biblical scriptural divorce, we understand scripture to apply to it. Uh, along the lines of the issues of the slide we just showed, and it was biblical well, then you're open to be remarried as long as it was a biblical divorce. So 
what are some of those issues? Again, the death of the spouse relates. You're available if there's a death. How do you understand what a biblical divorce is? The conversion that we talked about. Yeah. You're always under the context as a Christian, just not to be unequally yoked. And Scripture addresses reconciliation with a previous spouse. In, in Corinthians there, and Deuteronomy addresses it too, about the person that's married, divorces their spouse, goes and marries a second person. It's an abomination for them to then divorce the second one and go back to the first one. It's, it, it just, it's a continuous kind of another break of the covenant. So if you find yourself in a marriage, what the biblical argument would be is even if it was looking in hindsight, but it's not, not the best decision according to Scripture, you'd still be, you still wouldn't break the marriage that you're in. It's kind of how that argument goes. So you see there's a lot of issues here related to it. There's a lot of thoughtfulness, and it's really tough. So um, divorce and remarriage, you know, should divorced people remarry? Well, should married people get divorced? These are tough issues to think about. And remarriage is hard. Blended families are hard. You know, divorce doesn't end your relationship. It just changes it. And there's a whole other set of circumstances that people live out when they're in their separate marriages and, and subsequent marriages. But they can be rewarding, too. And we get up here and we talk a lot about that, about how you can have a great second marriage and you can have a great life after divorce. But it still doesn't make divorce easy. It makes it still hard. So looking for some answers. Um, I'm not giving you a lot of answers as much as I am telling you some of the context of it because every situation is so different. Um, divorce, we don't ever understand that as being required by the Lord. He gives us grace and love and kindness, the fruit of the Spirit, able to overcome difficult situations. And again, it really doesn't end a bad relationship. It just sort of changes it out for a different set of challenges. How do we respond to it? What do we do if we're divorced? What do we do if we're remarried? I mean, you're a Christian. You continue to do the things that Christians do. This is sort of like the summary bullets at the end. You continue to love the Lord with all your heart, soul, and strength, and mind, and you love your neighbor as yourself, and you continue to serve in the church, and you continue to follow the Lord, and you follow after him. Divorce and sin. Let's talk about just a few things. Because it's real easy to look at somebody. And you know, there's a big stigma in the church about divorce. And there always has been, and it's tough. There still is. I would say hopefully it's a little bit less because we recognize we all sin. We all sin and we all got problems. And whether the divorce is, you know, you don't even know by talking to somebody whether what their circumstances are. And we need to learn to love and care for one another and look at the heart. And that's what God is looking at. also find that God tells us marriage is hard. He knows it's hard. First Corinthians, you know, you haven't sinned, but it's going to be challenging. But God's come to help us face challenges and to overcome the world. Furthermore, he hasn't given up on marriage. It was his idea in Genesis, and he calls it good. He calls it very good at the end of creation. You know you go into Hebrews, and he says it's to be held in honor by all. So he says it's challenging, and yet he gives 
He hasn't given up on it, but Satan uses it to destroy us, our unity in the body of Christ. And we can't let him do that. Divorce has never been an essential of the faith. It shouldn't be a thing that causes us extreme disunity. We can have disagreements about it, but it shouldn't be cause a reason to cause us to break, to not to break our fellowship with one another. Though you love and serve one another, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour one another, take care that you're not consumed. We talked about it's tragic, but our God is a redeemer. We know that. So there is hope for, for him, and God provides healing. I want to address one final thing. I touched on it before because we talked a lot about marriage. We talked a lot about we have we talked a lot about second marriages here. And some folks ask the question and it gets confusing. They think, well, are we saying that divorce is good? Are we saying that because there's so much hope in second marriages and because you can't have a thriving second marriage and because you can't thrive after divorce? In your life, are we saying that divorce is good? No, that's not what we're saying. We're saying that God redeems. It would be a misapplication to say that. It's like saying, should we, in Romans, where you continue to sin so that grace may abound. No, not, that is not God's design. But God forgives, and he cares, and he heals, and he gives us grace. And we can have great marriages for those that have been divorced and been through that. And you do have something to look forward to. But that is in no way an endorsement for divorce. That is hard thing as we've already seen this morning so just to close up what's a Christian to do and how are we to treat others who are divorced how do we go in this life we continue with the great commission another great commandment love the Lord love our neighbors we, we witness everybody's called to do that we continue to serve in the church we continue to follow Christ with all our heart. Pray. I was driving here this morning thinking what a privilege and a blessing it is to gather with men at 6 o'clock on Tuesday mornings. And we get to talk about this stuff. I want to thank you for being here. I know the whole staff appreciates the men's ministry and the men that are in this room for being committed and for walking this path together. And uh, so I pray that you're able to continue to do that through even some of these tough and sticky issues. Those are the questions I'll leave you with. And I'm going to close in prayer because it's time to pray. Thank you, Lord, for your love for us and for your great grace. We pray that you help us to live each day following more deeply after you and in deeper and closer relationships through your Holy Spirit with one another. In Jesus' name.